GZM Shows and the creators of Six Minutes are rolling out their newest audio adventure with the podcast Discovering Dad. A cautious single dad with a secret past and his rebellious kids embark on a thrilling quest complete with hidden treasure, villains, and a family curse. New episodes of Discovering Dad roll out weekly starting June 11th on Apple Podcasts. Follow the show so you never miss an episode. Or listen early and ad-free as a GZM Show subscriber. Go to gzmshows.com to learn more. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Welcome to Frau Pow, where your hosts, Auden Rags. So this week we have an episode that I am really excited to share with you all. Um, we are going to be interviewing Zoe Bean. She is a tattoo artist who was born and grew up in and around New York City. Um, she attended way too much art school and actually has a master's in art from the Pratt Institute. Um, she's been tattooing professionally for about 11 years and about a year ago, she opened up her own tattoo studio called The New Moon Studio with her partner, Drew Linden. She lives in, New, in the suburbs of New Jersey with her husband, Sweetie, and her son, Emmett, and their dog, Margot Tenenbaum. And I personally want to add that um, Zoe Bean has done a lot of tattoos for me and for our producer, Kate. Um, and she actually introduced Rags and I to Kate um, and helped get Frau Pow off the ground. So I'm eternally grateful for her. We're both very grateful for her. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started? Oh boy, okay. Um, hi, I'm Zoe. Uh, I am... Um, part owner of the New Moon Studio. I mean, I'm a full owner of the New Moon Studio, but I have a partner, um, uh, Drew Linden, who's amazing. Um, we're both tattooers and um, I'm a mom and I obsessively make ice cream. What else would you like to know? What kind of ice cream do you make? Like all, all kinds of ice cream. I mean, not all the flavors because there's lots of flavors, but I make, I make a lot of flavors and I take requests. Okay, I have a request for you. Okay. Thai tea ice cream. I haven't made that before. I tend to go with more classic flavors, but I'm definitely down for a challenge. Thai tea ice cream. That's I've not been daydreaming a bad idea. about it for about five months now. And have I just you not needed... found it anywhere? No, not huh. at all. No, Kate agrees with you. <laughs> okay, I'm on it. Let's see, yes. what, let's see what we can do. This makes me so happy. <laughs> I just want my whole roller derby team to have come to New Moon at some point. It's like my new I'm mission. Working, I'm working on oh, it. Oh, I know. <laughs> we're I'm, working on it. Yeah, I'm, we're working I'm on all, it. I'm working to get everybody else in, so don't worry. I mean, I appreciate that. You're yeah. totally hired. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's awesome. Actually, I, want, I just exist. Your work. I mean, I want sort of. all the badass roller derby babes. Like, that. that's my... I'm not mad about that at all. <laughs> yeah. So I've been tattooing odd for a while now, mm -hmm. like three years. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I don't even know how I found you, which is like very weird. It now sort of feels like kismet because I don't know how it really happened. I don't and remember I feel, either. I feel fine about it. 
It's worked <laughs> out. I'm glad. That's good. Um, so what's it like living in the suburbs as like a heavily tattooed person with like a young Ooh, kid? Um, it's interesting. Um, I have a very love hate relationship with where I live. Um, I, you know, we left the city for all the reasons that everyone leaves the city. We are artists. We didn't have enough money to ever live here the way we wanted to. And, you know, my son skateboards in the street outside our house now, which is amazing. But um, it's interesting. We definitely don't blend in. So my partner is a tattoo artist also, and he kind of looks like tattooed Santa. Um, and so he's a long white beard and tattoos on his neck. And um, like we have a community pool where it's really lovely. And we spend a lot of time there now that it's summer and we don't blend in. People, people do a variety of things when they see us. We spark a lot of curiosity and people want to talk to us about tattoos. And that's awesome. Um but like I had a man who was getting ready to swim some laps the other day and he was standing on the edge of the pool looking like maybe he was going to dive in. And then he saw me like taking off my T-shirt and shorts. I had a bathing suit on, obviously. It was not like <laughs> naked, but I'm wearing a bathing suit and I'm with my son and I'm trying to get myself situated and my kids situated to go in the water. And this man like open mouth like stopped what he was doing, stood on the side of the pool and just like stared at me. And like, it was like he forgot that other people could see him. And he's like, for like a solid, like three minutes, he watched me get my kid like sunblocked and into his like floaties and into the pool. And oh the God. whole time he's staring at me. And finally, I just kind of put my hand up and waved at him and went, hi. Cause like he, and then he realized that I could also see him cause that's oh how God. eyes work. And, um, and then he like hurriedly kind of move, moved his body away and got in the water. But it was like, like it, it just, it was a, th it's a thing. Like I definitely feel people looking at me a lot. Um, do you think that your son notices that? For sure. He, my son is very into narrating everything that's happening around us so he says things like mommy why is that man staring at you and he says it really loud that's what and I it's do. kind of but it's kind of awesome because he's doing it in a like he's not trying to be a dick mm -hmm. but he's also pointing out other people's bad behavior and he's doing it in a really kind of innocent way because we talk a lot about how you don't point and stare at people you don't talk about what people look like mm -hmm. you don't comment on somebody's appearance because it's rude and my son is five he totally gets that not every adult has internalized that information. Yeah. So it's a thing. It's a thing for sure. Um, I mean, obviously, since you and your partner are heavily tattooed, have you had a conversation with your son about tattoos and why mommy and daddy have pictures all over their body? Totally. I mean, I think like this is my son's normal. Mm -hmm. um, and he knows what we do. He knows we make tattoos. Um, so it's it's a big part of our family. Like this is how we pay our mortgage and this is how we put food on the table. Mm -hmm. My son's been to my shop. He's been to my husband's shop. He's been around a lot of tattooed people forever. And he's also been around his grandma who thinks that tattoos are disgusting. So like, and he's heard her kind of take on it all. Um, my son doesn't understand why I don't have a dump truck tattooed on me. Like he, you know, he feels like this is an obvious next step, right? Like that 
if you have all these other things, why wouldn't you have a dump truck? Because dump trucks are awesome. Um, but he like so far, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens as he gets older and we mm -hmm. he realizes how we don't blend in. And I wonder if it'll become the kind of thing where he's like, mom, park around the corner. I don't want my friends to see you. I mean, I feel like that will happen regardless. Totally. I mean, on some level. I yeah. mean, I, I hope that um, he's not horrified by us in general. But I hope he stays the like same like gregarious kid who wants to wear like unicorn shoes and have my purple hair. In. Yeah, he's like, really into unicorns and purple hair right now. Although his hair, his hair requirements has, have shifted. He's now trying to earn enough points to get pink hair. Oh, so, that would be hard with his dark hair, though. Well, his hair, it's summer, so his hair is getting like lighter and lighter. Um, but yeah, he's my son's really into unicorns, so he has unicorn vans. What? Yeah, yeah they're so awesome. They're awesome. They have little like glittery horns on they them. They don't make them in adult sizes. I know. I checked. <laughs> I trust me. Oh, that would be so cool. You and your son romping around in matching vans. Yeah, my um, my son has a has been into pink and purple for a while, mm -hmm. and had requested some. He requested his grandmother make him a pink scarf, and my mom basically said that boys aren't supposed to wear pink which infuriated my husband and I for all of the reasons. And so my husband, being my husband, went out and started buying himself and my son all the pink clothes in the world. And so my husband and my son have matching pink vans. That's and my, awesome. when we went to visit my parents in Florida, my husband bought himself a bathing suit that's like fluorescent pink covered in flamingos. Um, it's pretty great. It's pretty great. So that's we're really so awesome. trying to break down the idea that any color is any in any way associated with anything other than I like it and that's what I want to wear. You can always just throw like the history of color at them. You know, I've tried <laughs> I've tried with stuff like that and it just it doesn't work. My parents are like products of the 50s and mm -hmm. they're super ingrained in their ideas and I know it's not malicious but it's so problematic especially with a little boy. It's like we're trying to raise him to be fully formed person like we want him to be the kind of man that is an ally to all people and is also true to himself and if he wants to wear pink shoes i don't really think that that speaks to his masculinity or gender in any way so uh tell us a little bit about what led to the decision of you and drew opening your own shop um so um so drew and i individually have been tattooing for a while and working in shops for other people. And then we, we worked together at our last shop. I think we worked there together for four years. I worked there for almost seven. Um, I think she worked there for a little over four. And more and more, our clientele became very um, queer, trans, non-binary. And it became harder and harder to sort of control our environment when you're in a when you're in a studio and there are a lot of people working who are not necessarily as invested in providing a safe space um and it became very frustrating like i never wanted to have a conversation happening peripherally in front of a client that made them uncomfortable and that happened it happened kind of in an extreme way and i had a client tell me reach out to me the day after getting tattooed saying that they love their tattoo, but they weren't coming back yeah. to the studio. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And so we really wanted to create a space that was safe for us and also safe for our clients that we could feel confident that if we invite you into our space, your experience is going to be amazing from start to finish and you're going to be respected and we're going to address you the way that you request to be addressed and that Mm -hmm. we're going to do everything we can to make you feel comfortable and safe so that you get the best tattoo you can. Um, And we thought that that was going to be a hard thing to do. And it turns out it's not a hard thing to do. It's actually a really easy thing to do when the people that work in the studio are people who are like-minded and invested in this idea. Um, And so we created the space that just feels really good. I mean, I know Odd has been there a lot. And it just like, it just feels really good in there. And I think people come there and they really... The people that have been attracted to the studio, it's it, what's happened there is pretty amazing. The community of people that have kind of built up around the studio have all been people who really appreciate this idea. And so we have this really inclusive, beautiful community of people around our studio that just kind of bolsters this idea. And so it just keeps getting like richer and bigger. It's pretty great. Yeah, I think that um, tattoo shops can stereotypically be really um like hyper masculine or like mm. toxically mm-hmm. masculine like yes, a lot of sure. dudes like dick measuring maybe <laughs> literally but definitely figuratively and it's really intimidating and um you in tattooing is such a vulnerable process like For not sure. only like coming up with a design and collaborating with an artist but also like the physical act of like taking your clothes off totally or having something permanently on you like it involves a lot of trust and and also being confident enough to verbalize if something is is designed in a way that doesn't feel Mm -hmm. right to you Mm -hmm. and feeling like it's okay to say like you know what i'm not loving this what can we do to change it mm-hmm. and like in terms of design stuff i think sometimes if you're not comfortable in your environment it becomes much harder to articulate the design and i know lots of people who have ended up with tattoos that were not exactly what they were hoping for <laughs> odd has her hand up um, um but just because they were yeah. not comfortable enough to articulate what wasn't working for them yeah And so we want to make sure that people feel comfortable so that they can end up with something great. Exactly. And I think that people really don't understand that necessarily, like going into something, it feels like so exciting. And at least for me, like going into a studio and I was like, oh, like this is so great. And then suddenly I'm getting tattooed and yelled at by this dude who's tattooing my ribs. And I mean, I like my tattoo but it's not really what I imagine it being mm-hmm. um, and it's because I sort of just didn't feel comfortable and I felt kind of unsafe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean and I think that there's you know in all things there's the spectrum of experience right so there's like this experience where it's like I felt mildly uncomfortable because I was in a room with men and had to take off my shirt yeah and then there's the I was sexually harassed in a tattoo shop and then there's kind of everything in between those. Mm-hmm experiences and I think that it is staggering to hear how many people have some experience on that spectrum where it's like most of the people that I talk to when I like when I meet people and I have a consultation I always ask well how did you hear about us how did you find me and it's always like well I went to this place first 
and had a really bad experience and then started talking to my friends about my really bad experience and people sent me here. Or, you know, I found you on Instagram and I started reading what you, your like kind of mission statement and realized like this is a safe place for me. But it's crazy that, and I, I think that that is starting to shift in tattooing. It feels like the sort of idea of customer service as a part of the experience is people are starting to demand that the more tattooing becomes part of the mainstream, the more people realize that you can decide what kind of experience you want to have. And it isn't just about these four people who make tattoos and getting whatever there is that comes with that. So that's kind of nice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like being treated nice when I'm giving um, people money to put something on my body Mm -hmm. permanently. It's so weird. I know. Yeah. What? So What challenges have you encountered as a woman who owns a business? Oh, my goodness. Um, I mean, from like looking at spaces, like going and looking at rental spaces, um, just the way that people interacted with us. Uh, we, we had a broker that we were working with and it was a man. And the way he interacted with us from the very beginning it felt very much like here are these two little girls that are playing at opening a business. Like the way that people interacted with us were, was like, um, how do you know that your business is going to be successful? How do you even know how to do this? And when, when, and Drew is very much the way she moves through the world, she's very much like we have 20 plus years experience between the two of this, between the two of us, we got this. And people would just kind of like be taken back a little bit because she was so outwardly confident. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that, I mean, it's that old thing, like when men are confident, they're competent. And when women are confident, they're bitchy or bossy or, you know. And so I think that like people were, you know, it was an interesting experience looking for a space. And when we signed our space, like, so our landlords are Hasidic and They don't shake our hands because we're women. It's part of the Hasidic culture. But it is a thing where like the way that they interact with us is very different than the way they interact with the male business owners in our building. Mm -hmm. Um, Our landlord came into my space. I asked him when we first moved in, we saw one cockroach. And I was like, I need you to get an exterminator in here because I have lived in New York City for a long time, most of my life. And I know that if you see one, there's millions of them everywhere and I want my space to be sprayed. And he told me that the reason I saw a cockroach was because we have a lot of plants in our studio and cockroaches really like the jungle. And... I like wondered if this was a conversation he would have had with like my neighbor, who's a man who's running his business. Like he basically like dismissed me and we ended up getting our own exterminator because we're not idiots. But and we haven't seen any bugs since ever again. Um, But it's just the way that people interact with us. And I think for the most part, because we're um, we're private studio and we're kind of off the beaten path. Most of the people we interact with are the behind the scenes people like suppliers and the landlord and stuff. And so, you know, and the other businesses in our building. Um, And it's interesting because the women who are running businesses treat us very differently than the men do. And how has that been interacting with other women business owners? It's weird. It's weird being a tattoo business in a business, in a building of mixed use businesses. Like, 
I think there's a lot of curiosity around us and our space definitely stands out on our floor because we have artwork everywhere and like things hanging from the ceiling and we like light incense every day. So our space smells really good and like there's music all the time. And there are people in offices around us who come to our studio because they're trying to run away from their office and they want to be somewhere fun. So they come and sit down in our studio. And um, so I think that there is, I'm, we have one other business on our floor that's run by a woman and she and I have kind of become friendly. And like, so when I have questions about what's happening in the building with the landlord or an interaction, I always talk to her because I know that I'm going to be on equal footing with her, that she's not judging me for asking a question and that we can have a conversation. We can share information without me sort of coming from a place of like, I'm a woman and I need help. Mm hmm. Which and that's the way I like that's ha what's happening internally. Like that's a choice that I make, you know, and I don't know how the men would be. Maybe they, some of them would be great, but I don't even give them the chance because I am more comfortable talking to a woman. Yeah. I mean, I have specifically only gotten tattoos from women after my bad experience with a guy. And it's sort of I mean, I'm, I don't own a business, but um, talking to them about talking to people about kind of what I want for my tattoo and sort of being able to talk about it and not feeling like, oh, I want this change to be like a bitchy remark mm -hmm. or whatever, like have an eye roll happen. Um, like I've never had that happen with any tattooer that I've seen that has been a woman. And that's been like a friendly conversation. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, so my husband is a tattoo artist and he like he and I have had this conversation a lot lately because I find that women more and more want to get tattooed by women and men want to get tattooed by women for all of the reasons you just said, right? There's this conversation, this, this belief that a woman is going to be more patient, is going to listen, is going to mm -hmm. be maybe a little gentler, is going to take better care of you. And my husband is very resentful of this idea because he really prides himself on being someone who listens and is invested in the process and is treating everyone with respect. And I think that there are men who oh, are, absolutely. of course, doing that. But I do think that it is sort of the natural progression of things to get to a place where you're like, you know what, as a woman, especially in a situation where I have to remove my clothing, I just feel more comfortable having a woman be the person like, and I feel the same way with doctors. And, oh, absolutely. You know, like I am more inclined to go to female practitioners now for everything. Yeah. Yeah. So I because think when I complain about pain or anything, they, they're more likely to believe you. Yep. Yeah. They don't just like roll their They'll eyes at me. Seriously. I mean, I roll when you tell me I'm hurting you. I just roll my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little different. Though. But you're not a doctor. <laughs> I mean, am I, though? No, I'm definitely not a doctor. It's like my partner and I have talked about this extensively of any doctor that we go see if we can help it, we want it to be a woman, mm -hmm. whether it's a therapist, um, an OBGYN, or even a general practic practitioner. We want the doctor to be a woman. Yeah. I or mean, female I'm, identifying. Uh, yeah. I've been, I've come to the same sort of place after years of seeing male doctors and sort of being dismissed mm -hmm. um, on a variety of different levels. I've just kind of gotten to a place now where I'm just, I'm, if, if it's at all possible, I'm always going to try to see a woman. You can shop from anywhere doing pretty much anything. You might shop while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast. And however you shop, we all know and love the thrill of the hunt. 
But do you also know how to get the thrill of the best deals? Because Rakuten shoppers do. With Rakuten, they get the deals they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like Sephora, Nike, and even Expedia if you're looking to get some travel in. And getting cash back doesn't mean you have to miss out on sales because those can just be stacked right on top. It's easy to use and based on a simple idea. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers, and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back through PayPal or check. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. I have um I have a friend who uh she's a bar owner and she owns three bars in New York City. She's a badass, like she's a boss. And she opened her first bar when she was 26 wow. with money that Holy she shit. saved from bartending. Like wow. she opened a bar and it was her and a a partner, also a woman, who were both the same age who had been bartending together and like three years prior they decided that they were gonna start saving money so that they could open a bar badass women like just badass and constantly people would assume that like the doorman at their bar was was the boss or like um she would be talking to like purveyors and they'd be like well okay so who's who's the owner of the business like who should i be talking to and she's like oh that's me and they're like she they're like oh well you know of course but who's the boss like who's in charge and she's like i am i write the checks and they're like, well, who's your backer? She's like, I am. Like, but she would have to say this to people over and over and over so again. Just obnoxious. this idea that like people could not internalize the information that this young woman had accomplished mm -hmm. this. Yeah. yeah, but can I explain to you what it's like to own a bar in New York City? <laughs> Much yeah. less like multiple bars. Yeah, she's a badass. And I'm just like, I used to own a dojo. I used to like run and teach my own dojo. I mean, like this is a little hole in the wall dojo. And I was so proud of myself. I was like 22 and I owned and operated my own dojo. And I had like, at most I had like 22 kids. Most of them were, uh, most of them were little girls too. But for Amazing. me, one of the things that I would always get is that just that side glance of you're a young woman and you think you can teach my child martial arts. And I'm just like, Go fuck yourself. But yes, also. I yeah, am I mean, I want a young woman teaching my child martial arts. Right. Like I want my like I want my son or my daughter to see a right. like a badass young woman, you know, like that's of course what I want. Yeah. And I use I specialize specifically in self-defense and uh um woman self-defense and child martial arts, children martial arts. Oh, I should talk to you about this. We're looking for someone to teach a self-defense class for women at the studio. Yeah. Oh, I I'm have some third, other ideas. I'm a third degree black studio. belt and I like to teach. I almost never wear heels. I have a pair of three inch heels that I keep aside. So when I teach self defense, I wear them specifically for that. That's interesting. Yeah. All right. We'll, we're going to we'll talk more about yes. this. No, it's true. Three inch heels. We'll, because, we'll talk about this. Because I firmly believe that. If you're going to learn self-defense as a woman, you should learn it from a woman because our bodies no, are going to be more 100, similar. No, 100%. And also, also because of just how women move and operate throughout the world um, and through their everyday lives, 
I like to teach it in a way that they can translate into their life, whether you're walking to work in flats or you're walking back to your car in heels. You can do whatever the hell you want. But people would give me the side eye. Like I would just walk in and everybody would stop me like, you're the self-defense instructor. I'm like, yeah, I am. You come into my class and you're like, maybe. Think if you like gun them a little bit, they would know. I used to demonstrate. (laughs) I used to take one of the like, I always would like pull out a guy who was um, like one of the trainers on the floor because I was also a trainer on the floor um, for like a lot of these gyms that I would go teach at. Um, And I would pull one of the trainers off the floor and I would set up a mat and we'll do all the self-defense stuff. And everybody, people will still be like side-eyeing me. I'm like, okay, watch this. And I would just take this like 250 pound guy and I would just like throw him over my shoulder and I'll be like, any questions? She can deadlift a car. With a human inside, yeah. plus 90 pounds. Yeah, I, I can. I'm a competitive strong woman. Nice. So, but yes, we'll talk about this after. You're I a just competitive got strong woman. Yeah. Awesome. We just sponsored um, Pull for Pride. Do you know that? <gasps> yes. I tried to get in to do it, but by the time I went to go buy tickets, it was sold, sold out. out. We, just, we have Chrissy King coming on in a few months. Who's Chrissy King? She's one of the founders of Pull for Pride and Women's oh, Strength awesome. Coalition. Uh, we, we, I tattoo a bunch of um, women who compete, mm-hmm. who are, um, I don't know what the terminology is, professional lifters or not. They're not professional. They're power lifters. Power lifters. Yeah. Thank you. And, um, and so a couple of the people that I tattoo were participating and so they got us to donate some stuff for it but it was it's a very cool event so in speaking with other women who own businesses like your friend who owns the bars do you think that you've encountered anything uh different as someone who owns sort of like a non-traditional business i guess a bar is a non-traditional business but like you're you own a tattoo shop and i think maybe that comes with its own like assumptions sure i mean i think um I think it's interesting, like within my family, how that works. Um, It kind of goes in both directions. Like I've had older male family members do things like put their arm around me and say things like, well, when you're ready to get serious about business, you'll come talk to me about like, you know, small business loans. And I'm like, well, we don't need a small business loan where, you know, we're self-funded. And he's like, well, all businesses need capital. You need you need capital to keep you going. I'm like, I know, I know that you seem to think that you know a lot about business, but you have no idea like how this particular business runs. It's not that thing. He's like, well, how do you keep inventory if you don't have any capital? I'm like, what inventory? Like, <laughs> <am> I, <laughs> Human <laughs> inventory. Right. Like we, everything that we sell, we create it. That's how it works. And I'm, you know, I'm drawing today for my tattoos tomorrow. There is no inventory. But it's just this idea of like, I'm an older man and I've been in business forever and let me tell you how it is. And then there is this other thing of like, oh, I have a friend, my my friend, my neighbor's friend's daughter makes lamps out of seashells. You should talk to her. She's an artist too. And I'm like, no, 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 thanks. I'm good. Or I like the, um, uh, my my nephew is 14 and he wants to be a tattooer. Can I bring him to your studio? Oh no, gosh. absolutely not. Please don't. Like never. Don't do that. So I I think that there's weird, like people just don't understand what we do mm-hmm. or what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that part of it. 
And I think a lot of people don't see it as a business. They think yeah, that this exactly. is like just like a hobby that I have. My mom definitely thinks this is a phase that I'll grow out of eventually. Mm, mm-hmm. um, I'm 46. I'm, I'm feeling pretty settled into this phase, but she thinks that this is something that hopefully I'll come to the end of and then go to law school or something. I don't know. She's hoping. I just can't imagine you as a lawyer, a no. sort of like legally blonde-esque. No, but no, 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 it wouldn't happen. No, I don't think so. I don't, I don't think so. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty settled in my life now. I mean, are you sure though? Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure. You're not gonna like go back. I like, and go I like to what I do or something. I mean, I was uh, teaching college before I started tattooing, and I stopped teaching college fourteen years ago to tattoo. And my mom still tells people I'm on sabbatical. So. <laughs> What did you teach in college? For art. College? I taught art. photography and fine art. So uh, how did you become a tattooer? Um, the short story of that was that I was teaching and teachers are not paid very well, especially um, adjunct college professors. Mm-hmm. So I was making like $16,000 a year and teaching a full course load and then also bartending Um like 30 hours a week. And I did not like it, any of it. I mean, I had bartended in New York for 15 years and I just Mm -hmm. got to a place where I wanted to hurt the regular customers. And um, I needed to stop bartending because I was really getting mad. And I was spending a lot of time at the tattoo shop and um, and, uh, I got offered an opportunity to start working the floor, like as an assistant there instead of bartending as like a way to supplement money for while I was teaching. And very quickly, it was kind of the only place I wanted to be. Like I just liked being there more than anywhere else. Um, And I didn't really think that I wanted to learn to tattoo. I just wanted to not be working in other places. And Mm -hmm. then um, the one of the tattooers I was working with was leaving this shop to open his own place. And the old school rules in tattooing are that you don't take on an apprentice until you own your own studio. Mm. And so he was like, you know, I am about to be an owner and now I can have an apprentice. Would you like to become my apprentice? And I was like, yes, I would. So I became a, you know, 33 or 34 year old apprentice, which is unusual. Most people apprentice when they're in their 20s because it's hard to eat a lot of shit when you're older. (laughs) Um, But I did. And it wasn't easy. It was hard. And my apprentice was mild. My apprenticeship was mild compared to some. Like some people have to like clean bathrooms with toothbrushes, and there's like hazing, which I didn't get a lot of that. Um, I was fortunate. I'm also always just interested in people's backstories. Like, how did they get to where they are today? Like yeah, snapshot here. Yeah, I don't think there's like a one clear path towards becoming a tattoo artist. I feel like everyone I know who tattoos kind of came to it in a different way. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was younger, I, w- I have been interested in tattoos f- since I was, you know, a young teenager. I just always found tattoos really compelling. I always wanted them. I always knew I was going to be a heavily tattooed person. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember the first woman I saw with a sleeve and I liked how other people were like sneering at her. I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I want to be. Like, I want to be the woman that people are sneering at. It was a way to separate myself from other women especially especially the women I was growing up with like it was a way to be other and um 
but being a tattoo artist wasn't on my radar even because it like tattooing was illegal in New York until mm-hmm. 1997. Mm-hmm. So like when I got my first tattoos in the late 80s, um, I got tattooed in somebody's apartment, like some super sketchy dude, because that's wow. what you did like that because that was what was available. Mm-hmm. So like just the scope of tattooing is something that artists do is a totally new you know, it's just, it just, the landscape has changed dramatically even just in the last few years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I told you like one of the doctors I saw asked me if I had been tested for a hepatitis and I was like, mm. I mean, I recently, very recently saw a new rheumatologist, a woman, and she asked me if I had been tested for hepatitis and suggested that maybe hepatitis was responsible for some of my autoimmune symptoms. And when I explained to her that not only have I been tested for hepatitis, but I've been vaccinated for hepatitis and that I am, I mean, you've been tattooed by me. You know how I am. I'm mm-hmm. the most uptight about that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, the like you could tell from her facial expression that not only did she not believe me, but she was like, she had checked out. She wasn't even listening to my like explanation of how I know with 100% certainty that I do not have hepatitis. And I also know with 100% certainty that you do not have hepatitis. Like, yeah. Fun. Yeah. My parents freaked out when my brother came home with a tattoo. And then they freaked out even more when I came home with it. Well, because I mean, it's hard, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And they're like, well, what about hepatitis? And I'm like, this isn't like, the 70s, 80s anymore. You need to remember that there's like a lot of procedures in place and things are a lot cleaner now and also become more modern. Like, you know. Well, I mean, if you go to a license shop, I still know people who get tattooed in their friends. Oh, yeah. Basement. No, go to a license so, shop. Go go to places. Like, right. If you're going to someplace legitimate, yeah. you hope that that's no longer something you have to be worried about. Um, and in the reality is that the level of exposure, the level of risk is so much greater for the tattooers and the people mm-hmm. who are working in the shop. Like as a client, you're so much less likely to get something than you are if you work in the shop because you're spending your day in the environment. And so if the environment right. becomes contaminated, you're so much more likely to be affected. Mm-hmm. So we are motivated mostly by self-interest. We want to keep you safe, but more than that, we want to keep ourselves safe. Um, but yeah, I think... You know, my parents still, my mom asks me if I'm at the dentist every time she calls me at work. So she hears the machines <laughs> running and she says, are you at the dentist? And I said, no, mom, I'm, I'm at work every day, all the time. You know what my work sounds like, but my mom won't come into the shop when tattoos are happening because she doesn't want to see blood. I think she has this idea that it's like splashed on the walls. Like that it's like very dramatic. You should plan for when she comes in, just like put like fake blood all everywhere. Over yeah, I don't I don't know that traumatizing her is in my best interest <laughs> at this point, but yeah, she she won't, so she asked me if I'm at the dentist and I, I apparently I go to the dentist a lot. You have bad teeth. I do. Do I, you I do. eventually be like, "Yes, mom, I'm at the dentist." I do. I like this is what I do with I do this with clients too. If I'm tattooing someone who's really irritating me, I start just agreeing with everything they say. Um, as an exercise, because it makes it easy, it, it's more fun. So I have a client who's from Staten Island, and he asked me like ridiculous questions, like, "Do you like to go to clubs?" I'm like, "Yeah, all the time." He's like, "You wear those like <laughs> plastic high heels?" I'm like, "Oh my god, totally." He's like, "Do you like techno music?" I'm like, "It's my favorite." 
Like, it doesn't matter what he says. I just say yes. And I sometimes do that with my mom, too, because it just is easier than having like and then you don't get mad. You just kind of because it's hilarious because it's, it's also the, it's ridiculous. Improv, yes. And exactly. Exactly. Yes. And so I do that sometimes. Um, what has been the most rewarding part of owning your own business? Oh, man. Um, all of it. It's been so amazing. I think. Um, Having people like reach out after getting tattooed and say like, wow, I had such an amazing experience or I was really nervous or traumatized from a past experience and you just made everything okay for me. Um, you know, or I mean, I had a, a client, someone who I've been tattooing for a long time who lost her mom recently and she reached out to me and said, my mom passed away this week and I'd really like to get a tattoo right away. And, you know, I'm usually booked a few months out and I got her in right away and I tattooed her and she wrote to me afterwards and said that it was like super helpful for her. And it was like, I think the relationships that I have with people is the most rewarding part. Like that, you know, it becomes so much more than just I meet you, I put a tattoo on you and you go away. It's like you put something on someone that has a life of its own and it kind of it stays with them forever. And so there's a piece of me in each one of those tattoos and it like, sounds so sappy and corny, but it, it, you know, I think the, the human connection element of it for me is kind of the biggest piece. It's very rewarding. And also lunch. I like lunch a lot. You do like lunch. I do. I really like lunch. Drew and I start texting at about nine 30 in the morning about what we're going to have for lunch. Um, and so what are you the most proud of? Uh, that's I, that's such a hard question. I am I guess I'm the most proud of the studio itself, like this space that we've created. Um, I'm I'm really proud of what it feels like in there. That is something I feel really proud of, and I feel really proud of sort of where I am in tattooing. It took me a really long time to get here, and I I feel like I am finally at a place where. I can make my hands do what my brain wants them to do. I don't know if that makes sense, but mm -hmm. for such a long time, the tattoos I saw in my head were not the tattoos that I had the technical ability to put on people. And it took a while for my hands to catch up with my brain. And I feel like I'm finally at a part where I'm, everybody, everything's working together until it all falls apart. You know? But at least <laughs> for the moment. Yet. So get in now before, you know, before it all falls apart. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed the interview as much as we did. Um, if you want to email us, maybe you have an idea of who we should interview or what we should talk about, you can reach us at fraupowpodcast at gmail.com or you can find us on social media, on Instagram and Facebook at Podcast. And as always, don't, don't be a dick. dick.